0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to a new episode of Retro Encounter. This month, we're going to be talking about Parasite Eve. I'm your host, Josh Curry. With me is a wonderful cast. I have Kaylin Argeros.
1: Hi, guys. Link is there on the boards.
0: Peter Triesenberg. Hello, everybody. Returning for a second time, Chris Gabauer. Hi, everyone. And for the first time, Mike Salvato.
2: Hello.
0: <laughs> Nice and short and simple. Wonderful. Um, so, like I said, we're going to be talking about Parasite Eve. So I, I know a lot of people are really excited for us to be talking about this game. So let's just get. I,
3: I thought we were talking about Trails SC. Oh. You don't want to talk about you don't want to talk about the sequels to your spoilers, favorite. Game?
1: Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> Did
0: I not get the memo that we were supposed to talk about bad games? I thought we were to talk about good games.
3: I mean, we could talk about the Parasite Eve sequels, then we'd be talking about bad games.
0: Well, they'd still be better than Trails, so. It's all good. Oh, wow. Okay, we're getting to so get ahead of it. so dangerous. It's so dangerous. Um, so like I said, we're, t- we're talking about Parasite Eve. Um, this is the first time I ever played it. Um. So I'm kind of a newbie on this. Ooh. What about you guys?
3: I played it for the first time a few years ago and loved the crap out of it, but it's been a while, so I'm kind of approaching it with a is-this-as-good-as-I-remember mentality going.
1: I played it when it came out. Way back when on PS1, and I don't know why I never played it again, because I'm actually really enjoying it the second time around.
4: Yeah, same for me. I haven't played it since 1998, and I I, I also don't know why I didn't play it again. So, But it's, it's I'm having a lot yeah. of fun with it.
2: Sorry about that. Uh, I had played Parasite Eve 2 when it came out, weirdly, missed the first one. And <laughs> the game blew me away, especially with the cutscenes at the time. And then only started playing Parasite Eve, uh, the original, a couple years ago. Bought it off the PlayStation Network and uh, loved it then. It crashed uh, after beating the final boss. So I'm hoping that this time through, it's, uh, I'm actually going to <laughs> be able to see how the game ends. That would be nice.
0: nice. Yeah, I, 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 never, uh, I never played it because I thought it was a horror game um and if, if you guys have listened before i i'm not a big fan of the horror genre as a whole i think it's usually either just jump scares that have no substance as a story or they just kind of keep plants and never actually becomes something beyond that and uh so I, I never even realized it's like hey i didn't know this was an rpg i heard like oh look at all these cool cutscenes, and you like see the screenshots back and i'm like yeah that looks fantastic like that looks like it could be interesting but I took it more so as, like, a Resident Evil game than an actual RPG.
1: Um, well, it's kind of both. It's, it's yeah. an RPG that is a horror... It's a horror RPG. Which, there aren't a whole lot of those out there, in my experience. So a horror kind of RPG.
0: Cool.
1: <laughs> that is your phrase, on not screen, mine.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I've... I, I was... I know it's kind of stupid. I have a lot of stupid things though, when it comes to like what games I chose to pick to play and not play. Um, but uh, I, I've, I've really liked it thus far. Uh, it's, it's one of those weird... It's in that time frame, kind of like uh, Final Fantasy VII, where they have multiple different styles of where they're like, hey, this is game, mm-hmm. here's a cutscene, here's a real cutscene. Yes. So I've enjoyed that. Um...
2: Yeah, this is right in the middle of that that whole slew of, like you said, Final Fantasy 7 and onward, where the budgets for the effects were, like, for you guys who played it at the time, I'm sure that the cutscenes just were phenomenal to see. Yeah. Just like I remember every Square game of the late 90s, when when those cutscenes came on, like, you know, now we have plenty of games where we go, we just want to play. But, I mean, the spectacle of those cutscenes was always just mind-blowing.
0: And such a treat. Yeah, I, I actually was surprised. The cutscenes actually hold up really well, I thought. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, they yeah, the c-
3: Cinematic direction is, uh, one. Of, I think, one of the things they were going for when they were developing this game, right? Yeah. Like, they were trying yep. to imitate Hollywood films. And, yeah, I think they they nailed that, like, kind of explosive action-y feel in a lot of ways.
1: Wasn't a, a uh, buzzword that they so. used?
2: Yeah, cinematic, cinematic RPG. RPG.
1: Yeah, so they got it, I think, because it does definitely mm-hmm. feel like a movie almost, a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. and that uh, yeah, it,
0: definitely. It starts and it's like this kind of looks like crap. Uh, like I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, that's cute. There's a crying Eiffel Tower. Like, yeah, okay. And then it pulls into where it shows the limo, and it's like, this. I, there was like this huge disconnect. I was like, oh, this, uh, this is gonna look rough. Um, but then once they cut to that first like that opera scene when when she started singing, I was like. Wow. Yeah, they they actually nailed it. It's one of those things the play little era is so hard for it to not just look terrible over time. And I thought it still looked fantastic.
2: Just quick Did little really thing, s- it's the Statue of Liberty, not the Eiffel Tower, Josh. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's,
0: <laughs> <gosh>. <laughs> it's been a really What
1: country are you from?
0: It's it's been a really long week with school. This is mean, my
1: city? Let's let's get it to right. To be to be fair, they're both French. <laughs> yes. <but>. Correct? <laughs> There we
0: go, a little
1: history. Nice thing. Learn yeah.
0: yourself some knowledge. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. Oops.
3: <laughs> go, going back, the, the Eiffel... The, not the Eiffel. See
1: <laughs> <laughs> what you did, John. I'm not the only one.
3: <laughs> okay, okay. Um, no, I was going to say the opera scene really sets the tone of the game really well. Because you have that, like contrast between like you know, the op the you know the opera and that like kind of synthesized midi voice that's playing and then all of a sudden people are on fire
0: yeah yeah
2: that, that... scene is phenomenally strange i love it
3: and then i is all like i have a beretta like in my dress well, of course move Why over are... Why move over a guy who brought me here i'm going to take charge of the situation and it's a really great introduction for the character aya and for the and just for the game in
0: general okay so one small nitpick why doesn't that douchebag of a boyfriend date not explode into fire
3: (laughs) so she could hit him in the face and proceed with her day
0: i mean like the whole theme of like the first three so by the way we're only talking about the first three days so everybody's listening um the whole theme of three days is like everybody that's in the general vicinity of this dies violently or turns into a bloodthirsty monster why doesn't he is he such a jerk that they're like "Eh, he's already a monster well
3: well, do we ever do we ever see him again maybe he just spontaneously combusted after he left the theater
2: well we hear from daniel in the cop car that the guy got away and he makes a joke about how he's a wuss in comparison to her and all the rest of it so we know he survived even if he gets hurt but technically we only see people die, but they say you know there are survivors from the events. It's just not as fun to show, you know, to show off the cutscenes with people running away and that's it. So they usually show everyone just dying.
1: I mean, it, this it is could've. a guy who is like one of his first things he says is, "Aren't you happy I agreed to date you?" Or you know, yeah. you should feel lucky. That, He's a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to <laughs> see him die. I
0: know. I wanted to see him actually not die. I wanted him to become a monster so I could. <laughs> see, <laughs> I think
3: I his, think see, in a way though I think I think it's more satisfying that he there he's not important. Like he's just he brings her there and then once shit hits the fan she takes charge and kind of just get out get out of here this is my show.
0: And there's something to be yeah. said about that. It stresses I think one of the most impressive things definitely for the time that there's a very strong woman protagonist. Um, and yeah, she's, definitely. she's with this guy who's trying to like impress her like look at me I'm a big deal in the real world and as soon as anything of consequence happens he's not and she steps up and becomes something memorable
2: yeah, tells him to get out because he's useless
4: yeah. yeah well maybe that's why they treated him the way they did maybe it was just for comedic effect maybe they said okay logically he should be dead but if we keep him alive we can make fun of him later for being a wimp Agreed. Agreed, and like you said, creates the foil of her versus him.
2: Yeah, she's useful; he's not.
1: But this is—that's a good point because I like not just Aya but also Eve being the main antagonist. So you've got strong female characters on both sides. So Mm -hmm. it's like the unicorn is to have a strong female character that you—that's you know the protagonist, but to have both of them, both the protagonist and the antagonist be strong female characters is unheard of really, in not just RPGs but in video games even Mm
0: -hmm. today, it's it's not something you really see even today
4: Yeah.
0: Um, and that's why I'm going to switch to film, I thought that was one of the most impressive things about Frozen is that you had the whole story revolved around two females and that that was celebrated and it's 2015, or that was like 2013, I don't know but it's still something like you don't see that in any genre of kind of yeah. storytelling. And so to have something in, we say it was 98, correct? Mm-hmm. I, I think it yeah, makes it, it even more impressive.
3: Yeah, I mean, much less in a, in a video game from that era, like a 90s Squaresoft title.
1: Yeah, in a Japanese so, right, RPG, right. even.
2: Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about the, this game... I mean, I, I, you know, looking back on it, I don't think of it as a risk, but of course, maybe it really was in terms of planning all the rest of it to have a, you know, the female lead, but it was also the first M-rated game for Square, and how is that going to be? It's just it's kind of cool to think that it was the first in a lot of elements for Square at the time mm-hmm. in terms of seeing what else they could do, new genre, trying to do the horror stuff,
4: like Resident Evil, as well. I mean. But, and then yeah, and they did this, a whole
3: bunch of like experimental stuff.
4: Was this the first game? Because I think this was made in like their Honolulu studio or something. But I'm not sure what else was made in that studio.
2: I, I don't remember what... Let's see if I can find out. But I know that it was the first major collaboration between Japan and a U.S.-based studio. So it could have been the Honolulu one. That would make sense.
3: It says, like, Square EA when you open it up when you start the game, right?
4: Yeah, but I think that was just part of their publishing deal at the time, because EA was publishing them, so they had this LLC Ah, that was just for publishing. Something like that. A large
3: part of the production took place in the United States.
0: In contrast to previous Square titles, the development team for Parasite Eve consisted of both Japanese and American staff members, with a large part of the production taking place in the United States.
2: But it's not telling us which area. Yeah
0: so but yeah it, like i i feel like it has a it appears that there's a greatly different feel to the game than what you'd expect from a square game and I, I you could make the argument that it's the genre you could say that it's a different type of characters and whatnot but i think it's more so the mixing of cultures and the development of the series that kind of more so would would lead to that um and definitely the R- M rating, like that first time that like, the little rat like scurries in front of you, and then it becomes this huge monster. that's oh. like, <laughs> yeah. it, it does. It's fantastic job of like the first whatever ten minutes of that game. It, it like immediately yeah. grabs at you and sucks you in. Like you want to yeah. get.
3: David Cronenberg is just like silently nodding in approval with, <laughs> behind the development studio. Yeah, but that that first mutation is is absolutely horrifying. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so I'm I'm guessing you guys don't remember because you've all played this game before, but I was completely caught off guard because it's like, all right, this is a square game. I entered into combat. I am going to stand here. I'm going to do an action. They're going to do an action. And uh, they shot me, or like the rat shot me. Like, all right, well, whatever. And I like happened to like just drag my hand across my Vita. And she like moved. And I was like, oh, all right. Well, I I guess I can dodge these fireballs now. Okay. Uh, And that was a really cool moment too because that's something that you don't, seeing it is still like almost like a turn-based i'm more of like an active time battle but you're actually interacting beyond just like watching your meter uh, come up and so yeah, I, really. I actually really really enjoyed that
3: it's kind of a progenitor to a vagrant story in a lot of ways With the gonna, way the, yes the,
2: exactly yeah the
3: dome kind of that expands around is showing like this is your movement range this is your attack range um, yep. It still allows for um, for, tac- for like a tactical approach to combat, while still being like more fast-paced and actiony than I think most RPG players would have been used to at the time.
2: And the transition into battles, or the you know the battle screen, while the invisible walls are sometimes a little frustrating, mm-hmm. it is smoother than let's say if we go to the Final Fantasy kind of comparison of getting yeah. to your battle screen and now these are the monsters and this is your party and. Let's get to it. It's a lot quicker, and it kind of tries to, in comparison to those other Square games, blend the action into, okay, now it's done, there's a slight readjusting of the camera, move on with the game. You know, keep going mm-hmm. after the mission. I've and, always, okay, we triggered a battle, slight adjustment, battle happens, go back into it.
0: I've always kind of wondered how much the development teams for Final Fantasy actually want to still do that. Have those hard transitions, or if it's just something that's been baked into the series so long that they feel like it's a kind of a mainstay that has to be there. Well,
3: considering they're... that they've considering that they've gotten out of it in recent years,
0: then yeah. But I it's mean, so, like, definitely during that time, I felt like that was kind of like this is a checkbox. We checkbox. Ah, box We need to have like we need to have like hey, you entered a, like a battle. There's the music, and here's your victory music, and here's this screen shattering.
1: Um. Part of that, I think, was because of how the assets were used. You had different character models for out-of-battle and, like, take seven. Very big difference between the character models in battle and out-of-battle. So it made sense to jump to another screen, because you had to load those assets. You couldn't do it seamlessly. And, you know, Pearside Eve was a bit more of a stylistic choice. The, The assets don't really change from exploration to battle, and maybe that was like i said stylistic but now we're getting to the point where technology-wise it can be done where the models can be the same uh between combat and so there's less need to break away well it's not even just models, but
4: it's probably a combination of you have you know three to four party members enemies spell effects like they probably couldn't have all that going on at the same time with the environment around them
1: yeah
3: Mm-hmm. And I noticed you don't have roaming enemies like in Chrono Trigger, but it is kind of similar to the the field transitions from Chrono Trigger. How it would just like the characters move into position and the battle starts without like going to a separate screen.
2: And interestingly enough, Peter, I was actually going to bring this up is that it's oh. directed by Chrono Trigger's director, Takashi Oh, yeah? Tokita. Oh. Yeah. So that's oh, that's excellent. actually I was going to mention Chrono Trigger and how those battles kind of play out a little bit more in that smooth transition. Mm-hmm. I actually did. So know Sakaguchi that. produced it. Uh, and apparently was like, was obsessed with uh, a detective story and wanted to make that for Final Fantasy 7 But it which <laughs> is why the opening is kind of more of a gritty metropolitan before it becomes an open world. Yeah. And then so he wanted to do a and what like an, a New York City based detective story. And so he produced I can't, the
1: game, but I can't, oh my god, can you imagine like Cloud and Barrett being buddy cops and, and going American around? Cop,
3: bad cop. Vin- Vincent was originally a private eye. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be awesome.
3: Isn't it? it, I think it's great how two of Square's best games from the '90s, Parasite Eve and Xenogears, started out as FF7 drafts. Yes.
1: No. Isn't that? Yeah. It's nuts.
3: Like that. That's so cool to me.
1: Although in Xenogears' case, I'm glad that it became its own thing because it never would have gotten. It would have been taken apart piece by piece if, if it was a Final Fantasy game.
0: Yeah,
3: it, it would have been a bit yeah. too ambitious, which I think is what they said while it was in development.
4: I, I think, uh, I know we got to move on eventually from battle, but the other thing I like about not going to another screen is it's because. Hang on, <laughs> let me start over. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I think the other thing I like and what works here since your battles don't go to another screen, is that you can use since you have to dodge attacks, the environment is different for every battle. Like you can't just use the same tactics, like, okay, right. I'm just gonna move left or right. It's like you it all depends on the room you're in. And when you're in a tiny room with a giant dog mm-hmm. or stuck in a hallway somewhere, like you have to play differently for every battle. So I, I like yeah, that.
3: Yeah, a a good example of that a good example of that, Mike, with the, the, the alligator boss from the prologue.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. That where it transitions, it starts off where you ha- it's it's top down and you have some wiggle room to try and get around it. But then the main part of the fight is when the camera is stuck like angular at an angle where you are like you're confined to a very limited space.
0: Um, yeah. They. It, I think there's enough there that they they make huge changes. Like you you start. I believe that's the correct. There's a you're in a building. That's, I'm just gonna say a building. You're in a building, you go into a hole, you go through a hole, and then you eventually end up outside and there's like, interviewers. Like there's, there's a constant both change of how you're playing the game and then also the environments you're changing. I mean, at some point you're on a, a cart or being dragged by a horse. Like, yeah, I, mean, which is- I, I never would have guessed that. When I first started, I assumed that we were just going to be in that building the entire game. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, you jump into what eerie hole? Who jumps into a hole? And then who goes into a hole and actually finds like things in that hole? Whoa!
2: The cop who will not be denied. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, we're we're ignoring <laughs> what was said and how it can be interpreted. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, you talk about the horse. You know, the the cart, the horse-drawn cart, or the. Like the carriage ride moment, I look, I mean, I hate to be like as the, the the actual resident New Yorker here, but it's kind of it's a really cool little element to be like, oh yeah, this traditionally, uh, kind of, very holiday season type of thing that a lot of people always say like you have to do in New York. Now it's kind of on its way out, but having the carriage ride in Central Park, and then that kind of very New York characteristic element becomes. A mini boss fight. Which really, to me, makes the environment of the game a lot more believable, of course, is a loose term, but it fits with the city and the idea of making a New York City story.
0: Yeah. And they, they hit all the touch, touchstones. You have Carnegie yeah. Hall, you have Central yep. Park. It's one of those things that anybody that's even semi aware of that city immediately, even if you didn't say it, is like, that's New York City. I it's very obvious it I call it the Eiffel Tower but <laughs>
2: <laughs> We know what you meant.
0: Yeah, I mean you're like yeah, I still knew what city it was. Um but, I mean, it makes it it does a very good job expressing that um very quickly. So I I I think it's it's impressive actually how much of the city you end up seeing.
4: Yeah. So as Chris, since you live in New York, does it feel like New York or like, hey, this is some weird fantasy version of New York by someone who's never been there? I mean
2: it it is it is a weird fantasy version in the sense of the layouts of, let's say, the Natural History Museum. Uh you know, the old the main lobby does have dinosaurs, but it's a different the skeletons are in a different setup than all the rest of it. So in in that sense, no it's not exact. But and, and you know, Central Park, do the do the paths take the exact turns and curves and bridges that they show there? No. But it does, what I will say, is it does get the feel of those locations right. Okay. Like, aesthetically, it actually, again, it's an interpretation of, but I think it it does get enough of the the core ideas behind, you know, what Central Park is. Like, a fountain here with a nice path that goes along the edge of the park kind of thing it does feel like a spot that i haven't walked through before if that makes sense that sounds Museum, all- a little bit harder but to to say that it's exact cuz they're trying to make a very huge edifice into a few corridors for you to play through
0: that sounds good chris but i think mike was really asking if we came to visit you would <laughs> oh. we encounter human eating rats and <laughs> alligators
2: i mean there are parts of the subway i have not been through <laughs> so you never know uh, there are enough there are enough giant rats that don't need to be mutated. If that's what you're asking,
3: <laughs> they're scary enough. They didn't need to make a horror game out of them. They could have just like set it in normal New York.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, every every uh like kids park growing up, you know, you would if you were going and like exploring the corners, you would see like the rat poison around because they are legitimately scary when you're a five year old child. They are a third right. of your size. So happy thoughts, guys. Happy thoughts. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so this it's next not the
3: size of dogs and they don't breathe fire.
2: That <laughs> is true. So there's a
3: plus.
0: <laughs> um, so one of the things I actually both find super interesting and I actually really strongly dislike about the game, is the whole kind of storyline about the mitochondria. It's so the plot. Yes. I know. It sounds really stupid. It
2: is very stupid. <laughs>
0: So it's, it's one of those things, it's really, really interesting because it, it's not necessarily something you'd normally see in a game, I feel like. But at the same time, I find it kind of confusing. And by that point, it's just like, well, this is kind of stupid. And like, just the chances of some of these things happening, like, uh, what's his name? Ooh. The guy that sneaks into New York to tell you that it was like his ex-wife or his wife that, like, it, there's like,
1: it's too don't... perfect
0: of everything. I don't
1: think it's his wife. Well, I thought it was his wife. No. Ma- Maeda the scientist he's talking yeah. about the original Eve but he never mentions a relationship with her
4: no it's just like this is a thing that happened in Japan before but on a smaller scale it was
1: someone
2: else's wife yeah.
1: Which, oh okay yeah
4: Okay. Uh, he's
3: referring to the novel right because Parasite Eve is based on a book
0: it is based on a book yes.
3: yeah so I think that's what he's it's like here is this other thing that happened in Japan that's totally connected to what we're doing except not yes. really because copyright is weird
4: yeah, they, oh, they, this is supposed to kind of be
2: a sequel to the book. Yeah. Oh.
4: Yeah. Did you guys see the movie? Like... Not to go off topic, but. No, I've movie. heard of it, but... I didn't even yes. know it was the movie. But I, I, I assume the... it was based on the book.
2: Yes, I think it was.
4: Yeah, okay, probably. Yeah. Because yeah. when I saw
2: it on IMDb, it had almost exclusively Japanese
0: names, so I'm pretty sure it's just the book. I'm on Wikipedia and it's based off the book. Okay. So,
2: so that's how we can get our prequel knowledge down the line. Mm-hmm.
0: I I so I noticed that like I was kind of looking at stuff for it. I noticed that it, there was a book. I assumed that this was a retelling of the book in some regard. I didn't know that it actually served as a prequel. That's actually
4: cool. Yeah, I've always thought it was too. And by the way, since you're on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. do you know if everyone donated three dollars, this fundraiser would be over right now? <laughs> oh, really? Yes, that's true. It'd be done within an hour. That's right. The price of a they
1: cup say of that every time. All we need.
4: I now i don't know if you noticed because that um fundraiser thing is like an entire page now but yeah it's
0: annoying but then again <laughs> it is also like the number one source of information in the world so yeah we, kind, we kind of needed to stick around i remember well never mind
3: way off so, topic
0: so,
3: yeah. we'll just, so go ahead back. <laughs>
1: Well, no, so, what about, you know, is it just that it's pseudoscience that you don't like about the story? Or is, I mean...
3: To me, it kind of reminds me of, like, you know, and I don't know if I'm the only one who's ever done this, but if you go to, like, the Resident Evil wiki, they will have an in-universe explanation for how all the viruses work. Like, how, exactly how they mutate the body and, like, the symptoms as you're turning into a zombie or a giant tentacle monster or whatever. And that's sort of, and it's like, it's very, very, I mean, it's not even like, I'm calling it pseudoscience is, is giving it too much credit, but it is kind of like a weird hand-wavy fantasy way of explaining what's going on in that universe, and that's always how I kind of view the mitochondria. It's the T-virus.
2: What's also interesting is, like, I mean, what I said at the beginning is that I played the second game first, and, and I might be misremembering it, this, but in comparison to the to parasite of the original they do have a lot more notes to find that ex- that try to like what you were saying, Peter, kind of magically explain everything and give you all that background.
4: Yeah. And, but yeah, there is very little is
2: dialogue in this game. You know, where they really explain things. I mean, and dialogue in general is pretty sparse. It's very
1: yeah.
2: uh, concise and quick, as more of like a jumping point or almost you know the transitions between going from one location to the next. It doesn't really go that far. Like when you meet that first scientist in the natural history museum, he gives you maybe like three sentences of background, and everyone freaks out and they're like, "Tell us more!" Nah, get out of my office. It's like, okay, thanks, sir. You could make this so and much wonder, easier for us.
3: And I wonder if how much of that is they're trying to it's to mimic the pacing of a Hollywood film, where a lot of it is more focused on action set pieces than it is on plot. And yeah. then, whereas Parasite Eve, whereas Parasite Eve Two was very much um, going after that Resident Evil style, totally. Like right down, yeah, right down to implementing tank
2: controls and stuff. Yeah, I know, which is the huge downside. But you're right; it's also, I mean, this game, you, the Parasite Eve One, you could play in a day. I mean, you could sit down, yeah, it's start like to finish, hours. and play it through. It's an eight-hour, maybe ten-hour game. Whereas Parasite Eve Two is much more of like a, I think it's more like a fifteen to twenty-hour game. So it is a little mm-hmm. bit more padded out that way. And maybe I'm misremembering that, so people can correct me. And, but.
3: and the less said about the PSP one, the better. But yeah. Still haven't played it. You, you're not missing anything.
0: That's what I've heard. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's just the, the whole mitochondria is... It, it's interesting because you, you start thinking about, oh, like we all you hear the whole theory like we're all from the same like you can trace everything back and there's this one person from the beginning like it touches like on all those kind of thoughts and those theories and all that's super interesting but it just seems flimsy it seems very interesting and odd that even if you did have that and you were the original and anything of that that you'd be able to blow up people and turn other things into like monsters I don't
2: for sure. But again, I, I do think the lack of context and more detail hurts hurts the the universe they're trying to create. See, I'd they, actually like, say the
0: exact opposite.
2: Really? Yeah. Because I think of Metal Gear Solid coming out in ninety eight as well, and you know, you go through that game and then you have the nano machines explanation. And that is
0: also its
2: own kind of absurd Magic. but they try to it's ground perfect. it. I mean Gear I love Solid it but perfect. they, they you know, we've had this talk before I'm with you 100%. But they they give much more context even though it's in monologues that go on for a long time but they explain their world to you.
0: See, and so my my big buy into it a little bit more. My big difference for me in that with that if you were to draw a comparison to Metal Gear Solid, is Metal Gear Solid is a very different genre. I think when it comes to any type of horror, scare, survival, any of that, I think the minimalistic approach works best. Because anything that you can develop in your own mind of why this is happening, why this is terrifying, what's around that corner, is a hundred times worse than anything that they can ever say. And that whole mirage of what is going on dissipates as soon as you try to explain it. And so I actually think, to its credit, where it doesn't, where the game chooses to not explain things or lead it up to interpretation, that's actually where it is better. And it's when they're like, hey, da-da-da-da-da, this is it, one, two, three, four. That's where it's like, ugh, I wish you hadn't said that.
2: I agree, although what, what's kind of hard um, is that they also have an audience get liquefied and you kind of just go, what? You know, in Central Park with the concert. And I'm not saying you need the full explanation, but it's also kind of like, how did... So she can burn people and make them kind of spontaneously combust and just liquefy them. And that and it's just, like, to your point earlier, it's just thrown up to, oh, it's mitochondria, don't worry about it.
0: But imagine if they didn't say mitochondria. And you're just like, this lady is insane. Like, she's super strong. And somehow we have this connection. And you're, like, the whole story is about that connection, not the reason why this is possible. And... You just, at some in point, that, sense, yeah, that have could be more that. fun.
2: That could be that could
0: be really fun because
2: you're just trying to figure out why can this thing do what it does, right? And it's just I, open and yeah, that would be actually
1: really. Yeah, fun. I actually like it more that they it's pseudoscience, but the fact that they try to ground it a little bit in actual physiology to explain how this happened is kind of cool compared to we're going to talk about Resident Evil T virus. Just blaming mm-hmm. on this magical, you know, thing that turns people into zombies. I mean, I don't remember a whole lot from my high school biology class, but I remember mitochondria and their basic mm-hmm. function, and that was a little bit cool to have them actually, you know, be talking, giving you a biology lesson. Because if anything like this happens, like anything even remotely like this happens in the real world, it's probably going to be based off of that biology more than some magic, you know, uh, drug that just gets out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because there's enough, and I worked in the field, I, I know what we the government would do. They would, but they'd be able to stop it pretty quickly. Um, and that's, so I agree, it would be much more something that is innate in, inside of us that they can't control. It's much more believable to have some crazy thing like this happen. Yeah, right. Oh, we all have different opinions about that, apparently. Oh, no. cool. But but that's... Yeah. yeah,
3: That should help. I agree with your point about horror. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's always scarier. What you can imagine is always scarier than what you're presented with. And the beginning of Parasite Eve is probably the more horror-oriented part of it, whereas later on it becomes more... As the curtain gets pulled back and you find out more, I think it becomes more of, like, you're... plot twist driven JRPG story mm-hmm. just with just with a healthy dose of um of body horror
1: but that's that's true of a lot of games in the genre because true and it, just you know that by virtue of how the gameplay how the story unveils you as you learn more and piece things together more they get a little bit less freaky
2: yeah yeah because you YPT
1: is perfect like you know like yeah, dead space always off guard. Yeah. Like the first your first encounter with necromorphs is super scary because you don't know what they are. But as you learn more about how they came to be, it's yeah, you know, the mystery is gone. So it's more just like, oh, monsters, okay, shoot you. Yeah. Yep.
0: That's really a downfall of the audience. It, it's we would not be content to finish a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 hour game and not have a conclusion with some sort of resolution. And we, we crave that, that resolution. Way. We crave it so much that if it didn't have that, it's like, the story's broken, I want my money back, you've completely screwed this up. And it's funny because then you'll have people come back around and like, oh, you told me too much, Like you ruined it by explaining things. And it's like, well, they, they have to do it because there would be revolts if there wasn't that.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, that's why I think right now with horror games, and I'm like you, Josh, I'm, I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to actually enjoying a horror game. They freak me out. But with all the games that you can now download, whether they be the Slenderman's of the world or oh, God, what's Freddy's. uh thank you, Five Nights at Freddy's uh, was Outlast and all those games that are short enough that they're not forty hours, twenty hours, they don't overstay their welcome. Whereas the downside to a triple A horror game or like a Resident Evil in a lot of cases is that sometimes you just learn too much and by the end or. What Caitlin was talking about. Dead Space is a great example. It's amazing atmospherically and all the rest of it. But you adapt with everything you learn and then it's an understood enemy and it no longer becomes just (laughs) absolutely horrific. There's a reason behind everything.
0: So typically in this time I'd usually like to talk about what we expect for the rest of the game. But unfortunately I'm the only one that doesn't know what to expect. (laughs) So that, that leads a little bit less fun to this point. I mean... I think there's obviously a very obvious allusion to what's going to happen because Maida uh, talks about kind of giving birth to the ultimate being. I'm assuming that's going to be kind of the main plot line for the rest of the go is Eve trying to make that ultimate being and trying to stop it.
2: Your deductive reasoning is strong. Woohoo!
0: I win a cookie. (laughs) That I actually I know I just complained about pseudoscience and like too much. That actually sounds interesting to me, so I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think I think it'll be it'll be really good. Um, one of the kind of next things I want to talk about though was kind of atmospherically how fantastic it was, and I think the main driving factor for that kind of goes actually with the music.
1: Yes. So this is not my first exposure to Shimomura. That honor belongs to Super Mario RPG, but. <laughs> It's one of my first experiences of her music, and I still feel like it's pretty distinct out of everything that I've heard from her. There's there's a lot of piano, and she, she uses a lot of piano in her work, but the, other, the one thing I usually think about when I think Shroom more is I think beautiful violin solos, and there's not... There's not a violin, I think, maybe outside of the orchestral version of the main theme. It's a lot of synths and percussive elements that are being used to create melody and not, and more like atmospheric melody. It's like there's, there's, uh, you know, there are notes, but it also feels more like it's just to create uh, an atmosphere than necessarily to make a hummable sound. And I really find that so cool. I, I like Sumamura a lot everything I've heard from her is good, but I actually would love to see her do more like this
2: yeah, to your to your comment on atmospheric music, I mean, especially the the track playing in Central Park when you're going through it mm-hmm. it feels like variations on the Halloween soundtrack and as in the the horror film that's, and, that's
3: an interesting comparison, yeah.
2: And especially at that moment where you show up and you have an idea of what's going to happen, you know, Daniel's like, oh my god, my son. And then you have this, kind of, this ongoing, tense kind of, something's happening, something's happening, this frantic progression. Very, I mean, it goes on for a while. It's on loop, of course, but when you're going through, trying to get there, trying to get there, I think it's a really cool play. And again, going back to the idea of it being this horror, cinematic RPG it does, fe- I really like how they first, and again, I, I can't remember for the rest of the game, so we'll see how it goes through uh, as we progress, but the variations on actual cinematic horror, it feels like they really took that to heart, and even in the soundtrack, which I love.
1: Yeah, Missing Perspective, have... uh, yeah, missing perspective which track. plays <laughs> in Central Park and a couple other places, one of the best tracks in the game, I think. Yeah, for sure.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot of later parts of the soundtrack, but like stuff like Primal Eye is the main theme and the um, the opera that serves as um, the opera track that serves as Eve's main theme. I think are both really memorable pieces That's, that I associate with Shimomura, even if they aren't like her traditional style. Like I could still like you can still make out elements that are uniquely uniquely her.
4: Yeah. You know what I like? I mean, besides the music, because I do love all the music, the battle themes, the... It's true. Since we played to the end of uh, day three, you get back to the... Well, are we spoiling things? How, you can how, spoil yes. everything you oh, want. Yes. Cool, okay. <laughs> when you get back to the police department, Marvin, it's been trashed, and... um. There's a part where you're checking it out and you're talking to everyone, and then they tell you it's like, "Oh yeah, hey, you better go find Ben because he's with he's with this uh, dog, and the dog's not acting right." And then the music shifts, and yes. I, I forget mm-hmm. which track it is, but it just it works so well, like set the mood under the progress. Yes, yes,
1: yes. I love that track so much. That's it's it's the kind of I'm gonna okay sort of dry here. It's the oh shit track because
4: mm-hmm.
1: it ha- happens when shit goes down, and that, that is and, yeah. yeah. And I like yeah, and you know it's you a great track because it's actually it's a variation of the theme that plays when, the, like the normal police station theme. There's the same sort of, I don't know, it's not a, it's not a piano, but it's some sort of um, electronic synth that has that little melody that's played in there. Which is really cool that it plays in the police station when stuff is going down because it's sort of, it's referencing, it's the same area but in a different context.
4: Yeah. I I like, well, what I was getting at, what I like, I don't know if anyone else like really hones in on this. I didn't my first time through, but I noticed this time, but the atmospheric, like sound effects. If you, if you pay attention when you're walking Um, anywhere, they're so good with just things like footsteps. Like I noticed that at the beginning this time in the opera house, because you're walking. And then when you get to the back room and you're walking on concrete, she has different footsteps. You're walking in the police department mm-hmm. and there's broken glass. If you yeah, walk, I was gonna say the walk glass, over where the glass that. is, it's like they're paid a lot of attention to details like that. And I like that a lot. Especially when the music is really low and there's not a lot going on. And you just hear like creepy, like echoing footsteps.
0: Yeah, I didn't but notice actually... about the footsteps, but I noticed it about the lockers at the very beginning of the game. Those are like some of the creepiest lockers in the world to open.
4: Oh, that sound, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Actually, that reminds me, another detail that I really liked was whenever you save, you use a phone, mm-hmm. which that's kind of cool. But I like how you can see her kind of flicking, flicking her head a little bit, like she's shifting her, her head to get, get her hair out of the way so that she can put the receiver up against her ear. And I thought that was a really cool little uh, oh, I detail.
3: Huh. I've never noticed that yeah, either.
1: I didn't that's notice that either, that's impressive. super cool. Yeah.
3: I, I mean, it's
1: totally—it's like the. Oh, sorry.
3: Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I wonder if the smaller scale is what like gave them the freedom to kind of put in those little details. Because I mean, even in like the Final Fantasies from that day, like when you know when you have Cloud looking like a bunch of Legos, then like <laughs> they wouldn't have allowed for that. But this this game feels ahead of its time, in partic- particular particularly in regards just to the little like fine details we've all been mentioning, even for a Square game.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's really cool. Like, all those things like Maya um, adre- uh, adjusting his glasses, you know, you see mm-hmm. him like yeah. reach for that, and that's that's neat that they were able to to throw that in there, despite you know the limitations of the mm-hmm. console and, and the system. It's it's apparent now, but it's still neat that it doesn't feel maybe as static and as bad as. You would think just based on the graphics, because they put all that detail into movements and things like that.
3: Mm-hmm. And I do have to say too, in um, in regards to the graphics, I still think pre-rendered backgrounds look good. Like there's something about like that PS1 style of yeah. game with like hand-drawn backgrounds that just really appeals to me.
2: It can be a little jarring at times with with character models, but I'm totally with you. I mean, FFV oh, is one of yeah. my favorite games, and I love mm-hmm. just the pre-rendered backgrounds. They still hold up, they really
1: do. Mm-hmm. Actually it made me thinking like point and click almost because, well, because yeah. I was fiercely, you know, tapping X a lot to try and find the sweet spot to interact with stuff a lot of the time. Yeah. Oh god, and
2: that sweet spot is rough sometimes. <laughs> and there yeah. is a lot of there is a lot of walking around in
3: circles trying to figure out how to get the game to register what it needs you to do. <laughs>
2: Yeah, trying to get the zoo key, and I knew it was in that one room, and yet I could not figure out which locker or drawer, and then five minutes later, finally being in the right spot to activate the drawer in Central Park. It
3: happened to me really early in the game on this playthrough. I'm, like, walking around this guy's, like, burnt-up corpse, like, how do I pick up this key? (laughs) I know it's on you. This is, is like, I'm disgracing the dead here, but I really need this key.
0: (laughs) You won't be that upset about it.
1: Hope not. I mean,
3: he's already ha- he's already had the worst day of his life, so.
1: Yeah, he got burnt to a crisp.
0: Oh, I thought you were saying that he had to go to the opera. Okay.
1: Oh!
3: Come worst That was the worst day of <laughs> I have his life. That was the worst. <laughs> uh,
0: I if got jokes, guys. To start,
2: I'll actually take you to a real opera.
0: Ooh. I'm excited. Blue mandate.
2: I just realized that you're taking, man. I'm sorry, Joe. Yeah,
0: sorry. Uh, As long as you make me avoid all the you mean rats. I'll go to the opera with you.
3: <laughs> I promise. I have a friend who works as a security guard at our symphony hall, so maybe we'll just I'll get him to, like, keep protect us from the
0: giant mutant rats. That, yeah, that's all that matters.
2: Opera, so to be honest, any music concert hall. That's giant
0: rats. Yeah. Uh, did anybody uh, have anything else we want to talk about for uh, episode one? I take I that want... silence as a
4: no. I well, want a I mean, bigger I... inventory.
2: Yeah, I was actually yes. going to say, inventory and the weapon customization just kind of feels a little hollow.
3: I l- I like the weapon customization. I don't like the fact that you have also have to spend those like level up points on like basic functions like bigger inventory. I feel like I feel like that should be focused more on customizing your weapons.
1: I don't. I've never put any of those points into my weapons. They go only into my active time and my inventory space
4: because mm-hmm. i mean like i don't know
1: I, i'm gonna put points into a gun that i might get a better one in the next room of and or you know up, yeah. better body armor yeah yeah
3: but i i feel like to, to me and and you could like feel free to disagree i feel like like it would be a better system to just increase your active time bar and inventory slots as you level up or base inventory well, slots on like getting.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah, but but instead of getting the points, just no, have a bigger. You're... I, I think he's yeah, saying
0: yeah. that the uh, increases you get in levels should be substantial enough that it uh. does You don't want to increase it, or you don't even have the choice to because it, the system, as it is, does a good enough job. Oh, I
3: see. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, and and then the wep- have the, and like have the weapon system be a be a little bit. I don't want to say like have fewer weapons because that kind of takes away from the RPG-ness of it, but maybe make it so make it like Resonance of Fate where you can swap out parts and stuff to make huh. to like make your own crazy sniper rifle with 26 scopes.
2: Yeah, it's just it's just a cumbersome system to have to carry a tool or have a tool and then two items and when you have a limited inventory space, that's now three slots. Mm-hmm.
1: With nothing stacking. It's exactly. Stack, so, yeah,
4: I, I don't know. I guess that's because that's maybe that's the survival horror thing you're used yeah. to having. I think a, it's a little too close to the Resident Evil thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like I get mm-hmm. why it works there, and you have a little grid, and you have to make things fit in there. But I'm like, I don't really want to use a third of my inventory for a bunch of uh, medicine, mm-hmm. but I do.
2: Yeah, and the uh, only way to do storage in this one is to go back to the police station, unless I miss something. Or just leave, or it, you can yeah. leave it in a...
3: Yeah, leave it in a random treasure chest and
2: and come back for it later. Instead of like a storage box that you find in multiple locations that's just holding things.
3: But that's kind of disingenuous because you don't really backtrack in this game. Like, you kind of go from zone to zone.
2: And then back to the police station as a
3: hub, yeah. Yeah, and you have the option to go back, but you never really... I don't think you ever really need to.
1: No, unless you want Taurus or Wayne to uh, mod your weapon, which... Modding only means adding an extra slot to put another bonus in, and you have to yeah, get a mod permit or a card for it, which is, bleh. yeah, it's it's a little gross. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, does anyone remember? I forget what is the use of the junk that you get that you give to uh, oh, Wayne? I know
3: it. I know it does something, but I can't remember.
1: Like I don't I know I, I does something too, but the game never explains what it's for. Wayne will you know say if you want give me it, but he never tells you what you can do with it.
3: Apparently, people farm it, so it must be important somehow. Yeah,
1: maybe we'll find out <laughs> later on. Later. Yeah, I've just ignored
2: it so far this playthrough. I just just because I'm I not guess... sure
1: what it is, and I don't
2: want to waste my inventory slots.
3: It looks like it's some it's it looks like it's some kind of like augmentation to like add like effects to your weapons like i'm reading like acid cyanide and i don't remember if i ever even bothered with it on my my first playthrough so this is all kind of new to me
2: but potentially it does it does open up more customization if you get junk
1: is that like yeah and poten- for like the post game stuff then because no one ever gives you the option to do anything with it so far yeah in the that, main game. that could be it that could be it, too,
3: because the post-game, apparently, like, the, the, the optional dungeon that opens up and everything is wickedly difficult.
4: It looks like you have to get 300 pieces. And you, ah! get, and you get something. Yes. Awesome. Time. So that's probably why you never saw it, because you probably never got <laughs> 300 pieces. <laughs> oh
2: my God.
4: I, beat, I beat the game and was like, that was fun.
2: <laughs> I actually had fun. Don't want to change that. Not going after the junk.
1: Yeah. No, thank you jpeg.
2: Three hundred.
4: Apparently it carries over to new games though. I oh, okay. Okay, so yeah. Okay, that makes I mean more
0: sense for, then. For a plus though. Okay.
4: That sounds like a nineties th- thing to do to
0: make sure you play the game multiple times.
3: I do think it's <laughs> I do think it's cool that a, that a game like this has like all the trappings you'd expect from a square RPG, up to and including like optional bosses and little hidden secret systems despite being such a short game. Mm-hmm. like it, it's it's despite being like b- despite its brevity it's still fully featured it has like everything you'd expect from a square title at the time
2: well actually look, just to kind of piggyback on that do any of you guys feel uh, the game being a little hollow and how linear it is or are you okay with the how it tracks from just moment to moment you know set piece to set piece
0: so with the exception of like something like skyrim Mm-hmm. ignoring that i'm always more partial to something that's linear uh, almost okay. every time because i i play for the story most of the time sure and when you have a more linear experience you can have pacing that works you can have and story- more detail yes you can have story that you know everybody's going to go through this hallway at this time after experiencing this i, I think it's much easier to tie your music to specific notes, have the uh, character go through a full range of emotions, anticipation, be scared about this or worried about this. You can't have those hollow moments. I, I've talked to somebody about recently about this uh, from the site about like uh, fallout and like you lose your kid, but then you're like, oh, I'm going to go build a town and do this yeah. and do that. And like, you, you can't get sidetracked with their stuff. You're, you're maintaining the main goal. Uh, I think it usually makes for a more cohesive mm-hmm. experience.
4: Yeah, I agree.
0: I agree.
1: Especially with you know it being a cinematic RPG, you can't have a film that lets you meander; otherwise, it gets you know it doesn't work really well. So, I think the pacing has to be like that because it is, in the end, more of a story mm-hmm. being told than a get out, get out there and explore this, the world kind of thing. It, um, if it had been like a Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have liked how, how restrictive it is because in Final mm. Fantasy, I would prefer a more open experience. But here, for a story-focused game, definitely I like the linearity. And I can
0: respect that, but I know it gets so much crap for this, but I thought 13 was fantastic with how linear it was at the beginning of the game.
4: Well,
3: that's... What um, actually, J- Josh, you actually... I was literally just going to bring up Final Fantasy 13. Me too. That's, that's perfect.
4: Um...
3: Uh. Uh, I think with Paris and Eve, um, explore, when when you have such a linear focus, it makes those little moments of exploration that you get that much more impactful. And I was thinking of Final Fantasy XIII's moment when you step onto Grand Pulse and all of a sudden there's stuff to do.
0: It's overwhelming in thirteen, Like, it's one of those yeah. things, like, I, I don't know. Where, they're like, there's just things everywhere. Like, what am I supposed to do? And I think it's supposed to, like... The great thing about that, when you have moments like that, it's what the characters are feeling as well, and I and that's I go back to when you have this linear experiences, you're going through the exact same emotional pull that your character should be feeling as well. And I think 13 when it it puts you on pause like that is like, we are a place that we're not supposed to be. This is very foreign. You've had 30 some odd hours doing a linear game. It being open like that, it feels foreign to you, and, it, and I feel it fully encapsulates. What you should be feeling in this moment mm-hmm
3: yeah plus there's like an interesting divide between like the con the confinements of cocoon and the grand open spaces of the free world but that's another game yep. for another day yeah But <laughs> yeah, um, sure but parisadeev does have like you know there's like the warehouse where you can get some hidden weapons and there's a secret yes. boss and then there's the whole post-game dungeon that actually gives you more story context like that's all really cool but i think it's made more interesting to me because the main game is such like a straightforward route,
2: yeah and i you know the reason why i brought it up is in just reading re- reviews from when the game originally came out the big knock against it was in comparison to square's other fare whether it had been you know the 16-bit era or the contemporary ps1 era it's it's that it's so linear, and because of that, you know, when you play it again, you're hitting all the same beats again, and it's not that expansive world. But I agree with everyone. like, I, I love a good linear game because it allows you to add that much more detail. Like we were talking about all the atmosphere moments of sound effects, the sound design. If it was a much bigger game, I feel like it would have been a lot harder for them to get that nuance and, uh, and just level of characteristic details to every environment. And on top of which, it it's you know they don't have to build a world like you do in a Final Fantasy, an entirely new universe. It's supposed to be New York City, present day kind of thing. So, so now let's what? tell a story in this world that we actually can kind of fathom from the get go.
4: Well, I think too, it's you can't you don't want to look at it as a normal RPG like Final Fantasy VII, totally, or, which came before. It's like they're not trying to make that. Whether or not you like thirteen, I'm Great. somewhere in the middle. I can never decide if I do or not. But <laughs> what, what what they were trying to do in thirteen, whether or not you liked the story, um, they were focused on the story. And that made sense. If you're really saying we want to tell a story here, that was the way to go. And same here. Like that's what they did. They're not trying to make a big right what you expect sure. from an RPG. They're they're making a movie really. You don't go to a movie and see it's like, why I like that movie, but I wish it wasn't so linear. Thank you, Mike. That,
0: that is actually exactly what I was going to talk about. Because it's one of things like everybody always complains about linearity. And it's like, well, there's no replay value. And it's like, how many times will people watch a movie repeatedly? Yeah, I was
2: going to say I've played Last of Us five times.
1: Yes, okay. yes. I was just going to say Last of Us.
0: And you can you can experience a game that is linear that you know the touch points are going to be there, but it's still enjoyable. So, yep. like a movie, a book, a CD. Well, not CD. You can, <laughs> now like you know what I mean? Uh, if CD still existed, um, but like. <laughs> There, there's experiences you can have that are built, that are crafted. That yes, it's the same thing basically every time through.
2: But it resonates Me- the same way because it's good.
0: Or it resonates differently because you're in a different place in your life.
2: Yeah, that' very true. Yeah.
0: Um, and like I always, I always find that such an art, uh, an odd argument because, like, movies. If you've ever watched a movie twice, then you can't, and you've enjoyed that. You can't complain that a game would be the same thing the second time through. It's the same thing. Yeah.
1: The, the only thing and I'll not- say is that. I feel like people expect different things based on, you know, the IP or the series. Yeah. And the lineage so of the series. I studio. can yeah, I can like the linear experience in a game like Parasite Eve or Last of Us and dislike it in a series like Final Fantasy because that's not what I expect in Final Fantasy. I do not expect linearity in a Final Fantasy game. Mm-hmm. At least not nowadays I don't. Or like I don't when Sky linearity lives. in the story, but I expect the world to be, you know, out there for me to explore, and more of a playground.
3: Yeah. Or, or like when Skyward Sword like changed up the Zelda formula and had much more confined spaces,
0: and people were really upset about that. A Twilight Princess, that was already bad. Even worse with Skyward Sword.
3: <laughs> Twilight Princess was probably like, I mean, it was a step down from Wind Waker, but it was like a more open Ocarina. But then like Skyward Sword, instead of having a connected overworld, you had a hub and three separate big zones. And I, that that was very clearly segmented. And I think that rubbed a lot of people the, long, the wrong way.
4: Which is, I know we're off topic, I'm sorry. But that is weird though, because okay. Skyward Sword's big thing, at least for me, was that you didn't have to do all the dungeons in the game in a certain order. So you'd actually think if you were going to kind of break up the format of the game, well, parts of it anyway, like the mm-hmm. interconnected world would have worked better. So I don't really know why they changed that part.
3: Yes, it's. I, I'm, there's a lot of curious things about that, and then but then later on with Link Between Worlds, like that was where they changed it up, but they did it right, where you do have like total freedom to explore this world, but it's all interconnected.
0: Yep. Yep.
4: Dash <laughs> <Yeah>. hates <laughs> Zelda. Dash Zelda. That's I, what I, I don't hate
0: Zelda. It. There's just better Zelda games than Zelda. Uh,
4: Link uh, Between Worlds yeah. is pretty like, amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's very great. Fantastic, dude
3: that trailer for hob from the playstation event that looks really good i want
0: hob it looks great Yep, yeah. i agree
2: best sell the game out there right now is dark souls or dark souls 2
1: uh,
0: uh yeah. okami we already had this art you, you need to listen to I the old okami. conversations i i adore that <laughs> we game. <had> this argument <laughs> you know, so many this this, this argument comes up like every two months <laughs> <laughs>
4: So back oh. to Parasite Eve. I, my, favorite, my favorite Zelda
3: game is Xenoblade Chronicles X. No, I mean, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zelda wishes.
0: <laughs> um, so since we usually when we get this sidetracked, I'm assuming that we're basically done for the night. So does anybody have any closing thoughts on Parasite Eve and kind of where they feel about what they are with the game right now?
2: Still a lot of fun. Holds up really well. I'm enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I'm actually enjoying it more than I think I did when I first played it. I don't know why. Like, I actually, I'm loving the battle system, and not that I hated it the first time, but I'm, like, thinking, this is really cool. I actually would like to see more like this.
2: Yeah, kind of similarly to what you're saying, Caitlin, I feel like the first time I played it, it was a little off-putting, and I adjust, it took me a while to adjust to uh, to the mechanics a little bit more. I don't know why, but playing it again, it's, it just... Feels right in a weird way. I don't know. I can't even explain it. I just like it.
3: Paris to Eve perfectly captures the spirit of the holidays. Everyone is very warm <laughs> and
1: <laughs> Oh! The weather outside is frightful, but the fire from this. Within? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> bust the,
4: the fire is the so oh, dope. Oh,
2: God. Walk <sighs> away from the light.
4: I know what I that you the like? song was in the game. That would have been a good creepy song, like in a mo- movie where you get like the little like uh, music box, and there's yeah. like a little girl at the end of the hallway or something. Oh. Uh, no, I I'm liking it a lot. It's it's interesting that even though I pretty much know what's going to happen, like I get into a certain hallway and I'm like, oh no, I know I'm going to be attacked here. But, <laughs> but you know what? It's it's still creepy because I don't want to get attacked right there. Um, so yeah. even though you know it's coming, that, that's why I don't like horror movies or games anyway but i feel like once you've seen it it wouldn't have that effect anymore usually so you'd worry that the atmosphere won't seem as scary anymore but it right it, it still is i think
2: the monster transformations gross oh. me out so much
4: still oh yeah. yeah yeah the shiva one
2: it's just like ugh, god so gross
0: yeah, the game's very effective at what it does yes um and so for, for my personal thoughts uh i call this at the end of deus Ex. Um I said that I assume that Parasite would be my favorite game that I played on Retro Encounter this year. And thus far that kind of guess is looks like it's gonna be true.
2: Really? Yeah.
0: Hey. Yeah. Wow. I'm so uh. proud of you. You've come so far. You're so proud that <laughs> I I like I actually like a game that we cover. But <laughs> you like I Symphony. Know, it's, it's, yeah. it's like a revelation. Yeah, so currently Symphony would be my number one. Um I actually think Parasite have, will surpass it and I, the main reason i think it will uh, we talked about this in castlevania podcast there's so much there that is familiar i've played so many of those types of games and i i think the brilliant thing and this is also why i liked uh the last story i could think it was the last of us the last story so much it's so different it has a very different feel and that's the same reason i'm liking parasite eve is there it's so different than anything i've ever played but where the last story kind of fell away is like there was just so many imperfections in the game that it distracted me eventually, and it was too. I know it's a short game, but it was too long. So it, like it stayed, it stayed way too long. Like uh, right. Parasite Eve*, I think it's going to be the short, encapsulated story that captures that what I want to just be so different and so exciting. And it's going to be such a short story that it's never going to overstay its welcome.
2: Yeah, and, and it's wholly different, even from its sequels. Like we kind of touched on earlier, which is crazy to think about.
0: Yeah, and so I just I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air. I think that's the the perfect way to explain it.
3: I'll I'll be very curious to hear what you think about the the the, the rest of the game. Because yeah, I, I do think you're going to enjoy it quite a bit. So,
0: yay! Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> hey, we ended the year on a good note. Woohoo! <laughs> We're not done yet. There, Positivity. Still time. Yeah, yeah, episode two is always my rough one, so we'll see. Um, And I think we mentioned this before Parasite Eve, we are only doing two episodes, partially because it's a short game, partially because of the holidays. For December, though, we will still have three episodes. We're doing this kind of end of the year bash extravaganza thing. Um, It's going to be a bonus round, uh, so if anybody caught the Blizzard encounter, bonus rounds are going to be kind of side stories to podcasts where you either cover general topics like we'd probably at some point. Tackle That Zelda conversation and actually Nail down what we think is a good Zelda and what it Actually is a Zelda game Um, or We can have kind of like long Stories that we know we couldn't cover in a month Like I don't know like a Final Fantasy 9 Or Like a Persona 4 which I Desperately want to talk about and then On the same time we can do Conversations like we're going to do kind of end of the year We're going to talk about just all Sorts of crazy stuff but I think you guys will really enjoy it So like I said only two episodes For this so just everybody's aware in the meantime, that's going to do it for us at Retro Encounter. Uh, please send your emails to retro at rpgfan.com. Be sure to go on the boards, voice your comments, thoughts. Uh, go on to iTunes or any other your uh, podcast listening venues. Please go on there, rate, review. We love seeing those great reviews. Um, and then finally, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, make sure, Like I said, any way that you want, send your comments in. We'll hear them, we'll listen. We'll either play the games you want, or we'll try to include some of your thoughts. Thank you for listening.